you don't know any rules to defend yourself. You don't know any practices. So how do you defend yourself? We're going to talk about it. Ego Killer Show, Johan Francis, CSCS. Thanks for joining me. Maybe you thought we were going to talk about how to incline press and scale that so you get your one rep match or something like that. And then we're over here talking about how you're going to defend yourself. It's because ego killing isn't just like inside the gym. It's outside. It's That's where you spend most of your time. You leave the gym to go spend the rest of the day feeling great outside. So I want us to make the connection, foment that, and then I want to spend most of our time talking about that, what you do when you leave the establishment, the room of iron and rubber. There are rules for engagement or disengagement inside of your daily process, and it will keep you out of trouble. It will keep you safe, and you don't even have to have a black belt. When we talk about it, we're really going to get to the core of not being a victim. We've all been in a victimized state. We've been picked on. We've been fucked with. We've been pushed around. We've been told that we're less than. We've been treated like that at some point. The victimization, if it's not physical, it gets a little bit deeper. In fact, I would say that all of our victimizations are deeper. Physical victimization works because if I pick on you, you feel less than on the inside. My process is to make your diminutive self the self that I deal with. That's why if I'm a bully and I'm bigger than you, I get to take the physicality out the equation. Now I have to prey on you. Lucky for me, I don't know how bullying works. I never was much of a bully. I never even knew how bullies like did their thing. Look, I do know a little bit of something about how to come back from it. And I've met a lot of people that have fought back in many ways. I have a friend that told me, once you learn no gi, jujitsu that is, you're best equipped to go out and do this bounty hunting because he's a bounty hunter. So if you ever got into a fight with somebody and they're hopped up, maybe too much, you know, too much uh, fentanyl, too many drugs, learning no gi is probably going to be the most applicable way. And, of course, I've had friends and mentors who do from Taekwondo to Judo, men, women, doesn't matter the creed, culture, or background. I've met a lot of people along the way. So what we're going to talk about are means to get away from feeling victimized. Now, they're not always going to work. There are many cases in our society where people are yoked up by law enforcement and made to suffer the physical consequences simply because they're in the wrong space with the wrong type of individual with poor law enforcement around them. That's despicable and disgusting. And sometimes there is no way out of those situations. You might have a chance verbally to get out of those situations, but iniquity and evil, sometimes those things are just around. When we're not in that space, we want to get to a place that can actually help us out. You see uh, Mr. Um, Detroit Urban Survival Training. He's out here doing that and talking a lot about take it a step further. What you can do today to protect your person and not feel victimized has everything to do with your mindset. And once you have that mindset, not just walking around feeling like you're going to you know, fuck shit up all the time. But once you have the mindset for safety and protection, self-preservation and defense, then there's techniques that you can learn. First off, you want to remember that de-escalation is always the key. De-escalation is always the key. De-escalation. If someone comes to you with a machete, you don't come at them with a mace. 
longer, harder. If someone comes at you with cursing, you don't come at them with yo mama jokes. You meet them where they're at. This is going to keep you safe because irrational actors and bullies, people who are going to pick on you, shitty actors, people with poor mentalities, they're going to look for the rise and escalation out of you. Point blank, period. When I was a youngster and I used to walk, I used to take the bus at a disproportionately early age. And when people would shout at me, right, challenge me, just looking for, you know, a young black kid walking home, got his backpack on, and I'd have to walk through less, more not seedy necessarily neighborhoods, but kind of, I'd have to definitely keep my head on a swivel. I would have to look around and see who's shouting at me. My antenna would go up, and one thing that I'd always do was I would talk to them. I knew that the minute that I start running away, I'd get chased, and if I'm getting chased, this ain't going to end well because there's only so far that you can run. In fact, let that be the mantra for today's show. There's only so far that you can run, and you don't need a black belt. Those are our two, two mantras for the day. I remember being a kid, and some dudes started telling me, like, hey, where's my, um, you got any money? I'd be like, well, first instinct for a victimized mindset would be, no, please leave me alone. But I was a little bit more savvy than that. Not only that, I was athletic. But not only that, I was taught by my cousins how to fight. I knew I wasn't going to get into a fight right off the top, that I had to keep that one in my back pocket again, not thinking escalation, but self-preservation. For me, when this dude asked me this, and you're talking a long, you're talking like 30 years ago, I remember I said, what do you need money for? And it just rocked dude's world. He was like, wait a minute, what do I need money for? And then all of a sudden, I'm into a conversation with this bonehead talking about him trying to get like a Coca-Cola. I was able to take this victim mentality that he thought I might have and spin it back on him. At some point, I ended up telling him like, hey, I'll be right back. And I just kind of sauntered off. Dude was looking super confused and I didn't have to watch my back anymore. That's just one method. Of course, you're very young. You're like nine. But at that age, I knew. And it's important as adults that you know, you don't have to apply the same victim mentality that bullies are going to pressure you on. There isn't an inequality to people who are natural bullies that they find some type of weakness within your personality or character. Now, sometimes they're wrong and that you're not a full-blown victim, and you actually have a lot of power that they don't know about. And to those bullies, you deserve the ass-whooping. Now, I don't know who this is, but it is just across the board. However, the nature of being punked, because we often like to use the idiom, hurt people, hurt people, the nature of being punked, hurt, bullied, abused, and traumatized physically, namely, means that Somebody took advantage of me for whatever reason, and I'm going to look for that same reason. If I find it, I'm going to exploit it. And that's then probably the mindset of a bully. Well, unfortunately, those among us who don't see those red flags right away immediately can assume the posture of someone that's going to get picked on. Your first key is do not escalate. 
problem with not escalating is sometimes you get angry. Sometimes you get scared. And those two things can look very similar, right? Fight and flight are two sides of the adrenaline coin. On one side of the adrenaline coin, it's get the fuck out of here as fast as you can. On the other side, it's stand tall. But both things look similar in that split antecedent, that moment, that trigger. Your eyes get real wide. The hair on your back stands up. Your focus gets really dialed in. You get the eye of the eagle on you. To a confrontational person or a bully, that's going to look like a threat. You ever stare at a dog a little too long? Or do you stare at like a possum? Maybe not a predator, but any animal. They stare right back at you because they're trying to assess you threatening them. Eye contact. Think about the nature of staring into a dog that's non-confrontational. It's a nice dog. Right? It's got fluffy brown fur. It's maybe smaller than average. He is wearing a bow somewhere in his hair. Ain't threatening nobody. That's a nice little dog, isn't it? But now, let's not, let's pretend in this particular scenario that that dog is aggressive. The aggressive version of this bowed toy dog that's maybe like a cocker spaniel, brown, sweet borderline ugly it's gonna be nice it's temperament's nice so when you stare into his eyes it's actually feeling kind oxytocin or whatever is building up inside that dog that dog is actually conveying that it likes you now it's aggressive twin is getting hot mad defending itself you're staring at it it's threatened it's ready to claw that's the nature of that fight-or-flight response De-escalation works, but sometimes our innate trigger to either fight or run away triggers in someone who's kind of a bully interpersonally, right? This could be inside of a boardroom of ideas where you're exchanging ideas and someone is trying to run down your idea and let you know that you're not um, really the business with your idea. That person might also exist too. It could be inside of a tenuous, toxic environment or relationship with friends or colleagues where everything that you say gets kind of overriding and maligned. Or it could be out there physically. Remember that that trigger moment is your chance. Well, it's amygdala driven. It's reptile. It's reptilian. So you're not really going to get a chance to respond Based on that alone, but the next moment where your behaviors kick in is where you respond. De-escalation works, but when you feel that fight or flight response, it might trigger something in the victimizer, right? In the bully, in the person that's looking at them, signals ready to pounce in that angry kind of dog or that animal. That might make them a little bit more upset. And so you now have to remember to watch out for the next movement. Assess the person's posture. So the first thing is de-escalation. The second one is assessing posture. Assessing posture means I look where there are immediate threats. When you're looking for immediate threats, you're looking for weaponry. You're thinking about the person's silhouette. Where could they be holding something? 
Is they're standing in a way where the hands are behind the back? Are they standing with the hand in the pocket? Right? Are they are they gonna are they about to pop the trunk? Right? Are they walking the opposite direction of the confrontation, but they're a little bit too mad? Are they gonna pop the trunk and look for some kind of weapon? If they do have a weapon in hand, not only are you immediately thinking, get the fuck out of there, but you're thinking about the length of the weapon. How close and what's the distance between the attack point of that item and you remember your job in this particular situation is to get the hell out of there this is a physical confrontation think about the nature of a non-physical confrontation that becomes the nature of victimization what is the weaponry involved in a non um uh physical confrontation well the weaponry has everything to do with your tone of voice the weaponry is the words you use is it hate speech is it is it volatile is it geared to make you act in a way that is you know brainless and angry and reptilian right that is actually a form of words being weaponry i ain't talking about no m&m either i'm talking about words that are incendiary made to have uh a violent effect on on you as a person that threaten not just the nature of who you are but maybe maybe the nature of a community oftentimes you'll hear people say hey they're just words and yes they are in the same vein that music is just music and nothing said in music should actually be taken seriously and yet we find ourselves taking it a little too serious your job isn't to be parsimonious about the words that are said in front of you your job instead is to control your own reactions knowing that some words in fact are weapons let's not even forget that that is um, a fact words oftentimes are weapons and people use them as such I was telling the story earlier about how I got myself out of that confrontation when I was a kid. Well, a lot of times in my life, I've had to actually use my words as weapons against bullies in knowing that if I uh, um, defend myself physically, it's going to get ugly and that I might not be in a safe place. I remember I was playing football one time and one of the guys was a lot bigger than me and he gave me a late hit on purpose because he was bigger than me. The first thing I did was not go up to him and hit him back because he was huge. He was 330 pounds, 6'5", and I was, you know, 6 foot, barely 183 pounds, all muscle, but this dude would easily have taken me down and I mean without any prejudice my first reaction to getting hit late wasn't to go after someone that I knew could body slam me really quickly now if it came to that and that had to be done I would definitely be a force to be reckoned with I wasn't about to lay over and neither should you guys but what I did was I attacked with words I think some of the phraseology that was employed at that point as part of my arsenal that i pulled out of my holster had everything to do with him being a cheater him sucking too much to actually hit me between the lines him being a wimp because the whistle had already gone off and that's a punk move <laughs> pretty incendiary words but it definitely got the point across because he didn't do anything but turn back at me glare at me and it was in his mind that he had done wrong now could he have done it again sure but he knew that I was onto him. Words basically are weapons. 
whether they're employed to you to stop the escalation or by a bully who's trying to victimize you. Notice the silhouette. Notice the landscape. You got to know the battlefield, right? On some type, you know, uh, ring of rings of um, Miyamoto Musashi, <laughs> Book of Five Ring shit, right? Know the battlefield. Know where the fight is going to take place. Know where the argument is going to take place, and make sure that you are not vulnerable in that position. That's the second thing that I would say. Now, the third is going to be your action that's going to lead to a consequence that's going to be eh, good for you you're gonna have to leave if it's a confrontation where someone's pulling up on you um, I always tell a lot of my people inside the gym if someone's physically trying to attack you and they don't have any weapons you don't see weapons on them and it's just hand to hand your first thought is you got to get the hell up out of there if you don't know any martial arts and you don't know the nature of defending yourself in order to make sure that you're not a victim you kick them you make that beeline right where god split you you send that ankle right along that freeway right there and that freeway is going to converge on this tunnel I remember a few years back, me and my girlfriend were driving to Half Moon Bay. That's near San Francisco. To get from where I'm at to Half Moon Bay, which is on the coast of California, there's like a bunch of freeways, but since it's on the coast and there's not a ton of ways to get there from below and above, you have to take a tunnel, right? We all know one thing about tunnels. They're dark. We all know another thing about tunnels. They can bottleneck pretty easily. When we got close to the tunnel, like you couldn't even really see it, the traffic was brutal. And we didn't get inside the tunnel for like an hour and a half. We didn't go very far either, maybe three miles. Why? Because one person in one very old like Carmen Ghia or some old ass hot rod crashed, couldn't be moved, and was blocking the end to the tunnel. So that every human that drove by there not only rubberneck to look at that car damaged that very old car because i don't think it could get jump started in the same way but then had to drive around and it bottlenecked for days well that bottleneck right there is the part of the human <laughs> is a human anatomy where um there ain't much else other than it's where all the pain <laughs> in your body is going to bottleneck and there ain't no avoiding it. In a defense situation, you go right from all those freeways straight into the tunnel and you make contact. Then you get the hell out of there because you're going to have a very angry person on your hands. You say you're not a very fast runner. Incapacitation is probably the first thing that you're going to look for. You're not looking to fight fair. You're not looking to pick up some honor. You're not even looking to preserve dignity. You're looking to preserve your health. This is not the only thing that you need to be doing. And this is definitely a disclaimer. Don't go around trying to kick people where the good Lord split you. <laughs> but definitely when your life is threatened and you notice that someone has only their hands, their hands are in a position that you can see them, this is your first method of action. Excuse me, your third method of action. Combined with getting the hell out of there. If you notice that they do have something, you're already thinking about... Well, you're creating distance from the person. You're trying to see if there's anyone around you to make eye contact with. And you're backpedaling as fast as you can. 
noticing that that length, if there's a bat, if there's a pry bar that they have, if they have some kind of long blade, you got to stay as far away from that shit as possible. That's it. Further than that, you're going to need technical moves to preserve your health. Learn some defense. Learn some defense. At the very least, you're going to start taking some sort of hand-to-hand combat, of which I've always said that boxing is going to be the first way that you learn what a true fight is using nothing but your hands, head movement, and reaction. You can malign boxing because your hands are in gloves and it is a sport. Oftentimes, I'll see and hear about martial artists who think, hey, this is just part and parcel of it. But in no other way do you learn what a fight, a tussle is between one participant and another, maybe one other, maybe three, hand-to-hand, your hands being in a specific place and you creating distance, using your hands as weapons against someone else that is using their hands to victimize you. You will need to learn how to box Muay Thai. Those are a great place to start tomorrow. Beyond that, there's a lot of arts out there, be it traditional style Muay Thai, be it Muay Brown, I guess they call it, be it Krav Maga. And then there's a whole bunch of weapon defense systems that you could learn inside of outside of Krav Maga. And there are martial arts places that teach this around your specific area. You need to get into that for sure. And then... No gi. I mean, there's a lot of places that do teach a lot of no gi nowadays. And because you are learning to grapple with somebody without anything else but clothes, it is definitely an option. You will need to learn how to grapple if you want to preserve your defense. And so those are the moves that I say that you need to do. De-escalate. Create body awareness and visualize that silhouette. And then you're going to get the hell out of the way. It does all predicate. You don't need a black belt for any of that. That's how you preserve yourself. Predicates definitely on your mindset. Make sure that your mindset isn't being a victim. If you're going to be a victim, it's because of overwhelming, unfortunate 